In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Ash Wednesday service. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, which is a 40-day plus six-Sunday season in the life of the church where we look at our need for repentance. We look at the things that stand between us having a whole relationship with God and having a whole relationship with other people. We look at those things in our lives that are not fully given over to the Lordship of Christ. And along with the Holy Spirit, we offer those up to God so that we can fully belong to our Lord Jesus Christ. In an Ash Wednesday service, we usually offer the opportunity for anybody who wants to mark their repentance, the opportunity to receive the sign of a cross in ashes on their forehead. But being that we are worshiping via podcast due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we, we don't have a way to do that this year. And I'm guessing most people don't have a supply of palm ashes lying around their house. So there are other ways that you can participate uh, later on when we offer uh, the opportunity for imposition of ashes. You don't have to receive ashes tonight, just as you don't have to if we were having a a worship service in our sanctuary. Uh, It is perfectly fine for you if you uh, want to uh, cross your arms over your chest uh, as a sign of penitence. Um, That's absolutely fine. If if you don't want to do anything, that's fine as well. If you have some dirt, uh, potting soil, or any sort of dirt outside that you can get to that uh, from the recent ice melt. Um, If you have that and feel led by the Holy Spirit to mark your your forehead with that dirt or, uh, or, or soil or something like that, that would be fine too. But the point is not how we display it on the outside. It is a mark of the repentance that we feel for the brokenness of ourselves and the brokenness of our world and how far we as God's people stray so often from the ways of our Lord Jesus Christ. We begin our journey to Easter with the sign of ashes. This ancient sign speaks to the frailty and uncertainty of human life, calls us to heartfelt repentance, and urges us to place our hope in God alone. Amen. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God.
Our scripture reading for the evening will be Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Again, that's Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was our very first excursion to a Cincinnati Reds game. The year was 1991, and the previous season, the Reds had won the World Series. And all of the years that my dad had been watching the Reds wander uh, up and down the standings since the days of the Big Red Machine in the 1970s had finally paid off. After all of those years, they had a World Series trophy that they could be proud of. And what my dad was even more proud of was that his son had finally taken an interest in baseball during that previous year's World Series. My family wasn't particularly wealthy or even that wealthy at all. My dad worked as a teacher and he worked as a church organist, and he worked as a part-time men's clothing salesman and eventually as a shoe salesman at the shopping mall in our town. And my dad had worked and, and put in extra time and had gone to great effort to be able to buy our family tickets to go to a Cincinnati Reds game. It was about three hours from our home to Cincinnati, And so we drove, and I can only imagine, I don't remember the driving part of it at all, but I can only imagine that we had to make a number of stops for various reasons, including potty breaks and we're bored breaks. Uh, But finally, we got to Cincinnati, and I remember we had gotten there um, just as the first inning was getting ready to start. We were running a little bit behind. And I'll never forget looking out over the stadium and and seeing the field. And then I'll also never forget the look on my dad's face when he realized that the tickets that he had worked so hard for were somewhere in between uh, where the airplanes fly and outer space. These were not great baseball tickets. And so my dad came up with a plan. He thought, well, we'll just sit down in these seats where there's you know, not a whole lot of people sitting 
and these seats are better than the ones that I paid for, and so I'll just stay here for a little while. Maybe, maybe you have done this. I have done this since then, and we all know how it ends. The more you want to stay in those seats and the worse your actual tickets are, the more you have to move up. So sure enough, one thing led to another, and despite the best efforts of my, my well-intentioned father, instead of ending up in the, the seats that he had thought he had purchased, we ended up in seats that were much, much, much higher. But at least the Reds won that day, so I can't complain. Having a sober view of where we're starting from helps us out to know where we're going. One of the things about Ash Wednesday is it gives us a very clear starting point. Because when we're starting from things on Ash Wednesday, we're not starting from the top. We are starting and seeing ourselves as we are. And that is people who are in desperate need of Jesus. We are, we are starting from the point where we realize that we are nothing apart from Jesus. That we are made in the image of God, yes, but that we are broken. And being broken people, that we tend to perpetuate this brokenness. And that's why we need Jesus. As we're looking at this passage from Scripture, we see two people enter the, the frame. This is a, a parable that Jesus is telling. But, but you, can, you can almost put the disclaimer that they put in the front of a lot of books or, or that they hide deep in the movie credits that says that uh, any, any likeness to real uh, people is purely coincidental. Because this could have possibly happened. A Pharisee, somebody who, who would have been seen as Jesus started this story, as the hero, as the person that you wanted to root for in this story. Because the Pharisee was the observant Jew, the person who was trying to do right. He had shown up at the, the temple to say his prayers, and then comes the tax collector the sinner, the person who was a tool of the oppression of the Roman Empire, the type of person who was known to uh, collect more money than they needed so that they could pad their own pockets in collecting for the Romans. And these two go in side by side. And as Jesus is telling this tale, his hearers would have heard it as one person is the hero, one person is the villain, but Jesus pulls a great reversal because it's the Pharisee who goes in and prays, God, thank you that I am not one of these sinners. Thank you that I am not one of these people who, uh, who is unworthy, who uh, does all of these terrible things. We hear this prayer and we don't want to think that we would pray anything like this. We don't think that, we don't want to think that we personally would have an attitude like this. But yet, there are a lot of times that 
we go through our lives thinking that we're, we're just kind of fundamentally okay people and that we may not be the greatest person that you've ever met, but we're, we're not the worst person that you're, you've ever met. We're the okayest person that you've ever met. And that we, we try hard and, and we you know, keep our noses clean more or less. And so we're probably just okay. And that statement really isn't that far from what the, the Pharisee was praying. Maybe, yeah, he had a slightly more inflated view of himself. But we can also have slightly inflated views of ourselves as well. And then you've got the tax collector who just simply acknowledges the fact that he's a sinner and asks for God's help. He asks for God's mercy to be upon him. Very simply. It's just a short, simple prayer. And he can't even look up to heaven as he's saying it. We tend to bow our heads and close our eyes. At least that's the way that I was always taught to pray. Uh, but it wasn't uncommon in, in those days for people to cast their eyes up to heaven. And, and you're allowed to pray that way. You, you don't have to bow your heads and head and close your eyes. But the, the tax collector, he does this. He, he, he puts his head down and he beats his chest as a sign of, of contrition, a sign of sorrow. And he asks for God's mercy. Because he realizes who he is. And he knows where he's sitting. He knows the situation that he's in. And, and he asks God for help. He asks God for mercy. Because he knows that his deepest need is for God. Now, we don't know what happens after these two men left their time of prayer, but we know Jesus' commentary on it, and that is everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. And as we go into the time of Lent, knowing our full reliance on God puts us in the right relationship with God. When we think that we're okay, when we think we're just middle of the road, there's not much that we need from God. When we think that we're, we're just fine, then there's, there's not a whole lot that, that God can really do for us. That's the danger of the Pharisee, is he has already put himself in the, the seat of judgment on himself. And he says, you know what? I'm okay. I'm not like this other guy. And so for the Pharisee, there's, there's not a lot God can do for him because he already thinks that he's good enough. While the tax collector knows that he needs God's mercy. When we know that we so desperately need Jesus, only then can Jesus become our everything. When we are trying to rely on some strength that we, we perceive from within ourselves, 
then we can't rely on Jesus. But when we know that Jesus has given us that strength, when we rely on Jesus for that strength, we experience the goodness and mercy of God and we experience God working through us. But it all starts by realizing where we are in relation to God. It all starts by recognizing we need Jesus. We need a vital connection to Jesus because we are so broken, we can't put ourselves back together on our own. And we can't rely on another, the strength of another human being or the strength of ourselves to put us back together. It is only going to be by recognizing our utter and desperate need for Jesus that we can be put back together, that we can come to a place of shalom, a place of wholeness, a place of healing, where our relationships with God, with ourselves, and with each other are right. And so this is where we start on Ash Wednesday. We start with the confession that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. That we are dust that is animated by the life of God, by the breath of God, and that we are reanimated by the Holy Spirit. And that if we submit ourselves to this work of recognizing our desperate need, that God will fill us with everything that we need. But only if we can fully realize and admit exla exactly where it is that we're sitting. Join us in a prayer of confession. Holy and merciful God, we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, O God. We have not listened to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, O God. We confess to you, O God, all our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience in our lives. We confess to you, O God, our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people. We confess to you, O God, our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. We confess to you, O God, our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work. We confess to you, O God, our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. We confess to you, O God. Accept our repentance, O God, for the wrongs we have done, for our neglect of human need and suffering and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. 
Accept our repentance, O God. For uncharitable thoughts towards our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt to those who differ from us. Accept our repentance, O God. For our waste and pollution of your creation, and our lack of concern for those who come after us. Accept our repentance, O God. Restore us, O God, and let your anger depart from us. Favorably hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. Amen. Amen. We've come to the time for the imposition of the ashes. And the, the only thing that the ashes means is that we are repenting of those things that stand between us and God. That we recognize our deep, deep need for God. And that our hope is in God alone, through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's nothing sacred or, or uh, special about ashes. Uh, it's just a symbol. And if you don't find it helpful, if this is not something that you're comfortable with, by all means, uh, you, you do not, no one is compelling you to participate. But if you need to pause the podcast and, and go find some dirt or uh, soot from your, your fireplace or, um, or something that you can use to uh, mark your forehead with the sign of the cross, um, that's, that's what the imposition of ashes is. Um, if you don't want to do something like that, you can cross your arms over your chest with your fingertips touching your shoulders. Uh, that's another, uh, another sign of penitence, uh, of repentance. So I now invite you to join me as I say the words of the ashes. Brothers and sisters in Christ, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Amen.
We thank you for joining us for our Ash Wednesday service in 2021. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, and Katie Witham for co-leading this worship service. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do this. Amen.